0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Event Manager Podcast by Skiff Meetings, the podcast for curious event professionals embracing the future of business events. My name is Miguel Nevsch and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Skiff Meetings. In this episode, titled Exploring the Future of Association Events, I have the pleasure of speaking with Rob Evely, the Managing Director of Elm. Our conversation revolves around the specific needs of associations and association events We talk about things like how working with associations is inspiring, particularly when they really contribute to the advancement of humanity. We talk about why taking time off and preserving our mental health is so important. We talk about why our job as event professionals is largely to take the stress out of events and travel. We talk about how associations are looking at different and more commercial business models, which has both advantages and disadvantages. And we talk about how event tech needs to be simple and reduce distractions to be effective. I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation and I invite you to check out the other episodes of the podcast, which you can find on our website or by subscribing through your favorite podcast service. And now for a word from our sponsors. more. Hello and welcome to the Event Manager podcast uh, by Skiff Meetings. My name is Miguel Nevsch, I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Skiff Meetings and I am joined today by Rob Evely. Rob, thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks, Miguel. Thanks for having me. Um, Always lovely to catch up with you. So
0: I'm really looking forward to this. Excellent. So, Rob, we've known each other for too long, probably, right? Um, I don't know, 13 years. No such years thing as too long. It's but
1: it's quite it's quite well. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah from uh, from sort of mainly from our, my time in the UK as well. But I'd love you to um, just take us through your your journey into the event industry. How did that happen? And, you know, how did you get to where you are today? You're the managing director of Bright Elm, a small company, but a very valiant and strong company working with associations. Um, But I'd love you to tell that story. Like, how did you, how did you get here?
1: Okay. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, how did I get here? Let's go back many, many years. uh, to when I was sixteen, and I had my first job in my first job was in a local hotel. Um, and my love of, of of events really started growing from from there. Um, I really enjoyed helping helping people find their or helping people enjoying their their, their experiences. Um, so i stayed with hotels for quite a few years yeah. um, so you understood
0: how hotels run but do you was this already kind of a career for you or were you just sort of finding work and hotels seemed to be where, where you were where you were working well it's it's quite interesting because um
1: when i was doing the event catering side to through, through uh, with um temporary staff um i started seeing this this element of corporate events which i hadn't I hadn't experienced before, you know. We and uh, when uh, that experience was amazing, because um we got to work at places like the Oval Cricket Ground. Uh, we worked at UEFA ninety something um, at Wembley. Uh, so we started we started looking at corporate hospitality. Also did a uh, did a lot of big marquee events um and family fun days like at uh, uh, at Thorpe Park in in Northamptonshire and things like that and. I could really see a path myself in moving away from what I was doing, which is the catering side, into the event management side, which is what our um, clients were doing. So I knew I wanted to get there, but I I wasn't quite sure how. Um, And then, Then I changed a bit. Um, I had obviously a strong hotel background. So I decided to go and work in central reservations for a bit for Forte hotels, That's original Forte hotels, not RF hotels as they are now. So I started doing some, um, I was a team manager in reservation centre so kind of understood about bedroom booking, things like that. When I started there, I was shown an induction video of the Café Royal. Um, Café Royal was a large banking venue on on regent street in london and it's it's now a hotel um but when i started i said "Right, my ambition is to that's gonna be my next job two and a half years later i started a job at the cafe royal as a sales exec in meetings and events um and then i worked with two other hotel hotel groups in london specializing in meetings and events sales um then i took a break a a Break from hospitality. I wanted to see what else was out there. So became a visiting tailor. That was an incredible learning experience. One piece of advice was given to me. Choose your business partners more carefully than you might do your romantic partner. Um, um, and two, um, make sure when you do start your business, you do something you love. Um, because in order to really succeed, and I've discovered in order to really succeed in having your own business, you need a passion. There needs to be a passion involved in it. And I I learned. I learned so much. I think it was it was a very challenging time for me. Um, I learned more by mistakes than success. I think. So I made the decision that she that I would go. I would move towards event management um, as a a career. Um, I didn't really think about having my my own company back then. Um, So in 2007, I started volunteering for various things. uh, Did a bit of freelance work. Then I went back to university. At uh, University of Westminster to study an MA in conference and event management because I really felt that I wanted that strategic approach to meetings events and that that level of study which would boost, help me boost my career but into the, the events industry. At the time it was very rare to move. Um, most people in the events industry had always been in the events industry. In fact, I remember one recruitment professional when I was still back in hotels, and when I asked her about a move to event management from meetings events in hotels she said it won't happen it'll never happen you'll never do it (laughs) that that kind of spurred me on more than anything else um, (laughs) that seems to be a bit of a
0: theme with you right it's like yeah 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 it's not possible
1: yeah someone tells you 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 can't do it so you you go and do it um and in fact I was a um I graduated from the same course you did a year after you um Mm -hmm. And I think actually that's where we first met on campus um, at University of Westminster because um, Rob Davidson, who um, is like a celebrity within the meetings industry, I think, um, um, ran that course. Um, I think doing that course just opened my eyes a bit into the reasons why people run events, the strategy behind events, um, which I think then it helps me now when I think about when clients ask me or ask me to do things, it's yes. But what's, what's the rationale behind that? You know, how could, how can I help with me thinking, how can I help the client deliver and make sure they get their objectives from it? Um, I've never been a a yes person. (laughs) Um, and for some people, some people find that frustrating. I know. Um, Um, but i don't mind that i can't please everybody so that, that that's okay um then when I, when i graduated i did some more freelancing for a year and then got a contract with 2012 olympics to be a uh, on site event manager for for 3 months um it's probably the hardest job i'd ever done 3 months with no day off um in long hours yeah yeah it was it it was tough um in again in hospitality but involved you know high volume uh, things like high volume airport pickups and transfers which uh, I now know Heathrow like the back of my hand it's um, more I know more about Heathrow than many other people will ever get get to know and not all that is good Um, (laughs) but um, that was an amazing experience but also the it was an amazing learning experience about what I can do if I really, really push myself. Um, but also I got to go to the opening ceremony of the yeah. Olympics, which was just nice an, an incredible moment. And we do get nice perks in this job. You know, we do get to do some amazing things. I've also, you know, I've um, another project I did around then was I went to, um, I did a project for a corporate in uh, for a week in 2011 in London and the client enjoyed working with me so much. I then got brought on as part of the team who were delivering a series of what they call the Global Marketing University. So then I they took me to Peru and I helped deliver them the Global Marketing University in Peru, which is where I got to swim in the Pacific for the first time and swim with seals.
0: That is a nice uh, perk as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. See, we we did so like I said, we we get some incredible, we we have some incredible experiences. Um so then, just after I um, um, just after I did the Olympics, the day after I finished on the Olympics, I had one day off, and I started a contract with TFI Group in London, who are now TFI Loadstar, working in their associations um, team. Um, and it was only meant to be a four week contract um, deliver, help to help them help them deliver a congress in uh, ICC Birmingham, and then when it finished, I asked. Um, if I could stay. And they said, yes, Um, (laughs) which was wonderful. So I stayed, I became a a permanent employee. Um, And then I knew I I had actually made that, I had successfully made that move, which I'd said all those years ago to that recruitment consultant, I want to, and she'd
0: said, no, it won't happen. I did it. And this was, was this the first time you really worked deeply with associations?
1: um i've been working with associations on and off for that since 2007 doing various different things there was the first time i was in a dedicated
0: associations team and that is really a main focus of yours now right like since then would you say
1: um yeah well it's pretty i would say yes yes it is a focus um and, and really now in, in Brighton it's it, it's it's the only thing we, we we do we only work with with associations. Um, when I left Tfi I went to work for American express for a little uh, for 18 months, uh, which was seeing a different side of of congresses because we were working for a, a pharmaceutical client and we were their their congress logistics team. Um, so I spent over the course of 80 months in total, I think I spent about three months in the States, um, mostly on seven to 10 day stints, um, looking at look, really offering um, de- delegate support to a, a major pharmaceutical. So I got to see the Congress from the sponsor side, if you like, um, which is also eye opening. So it's it's all been related to Congresses and associations. I think when I left TFI and went to Amex within a month of starting at Amex at American Express, I went, actually no. I want my own business now. I, I know I can do this. Um and so that was my plan and that that's the goal I set myself and
0: did it. Yeah. So just like that. Does- but tell me about this focus on associations. Why is there a like a personal choice that you prefer the way associations run things? Is it a financial decision? Why why this focus on associations?
1: Um, I think because well I know because we're contrib- in some way we are contributing to the advancement of 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 humanity. You know we are playing our part, and you know do we we get to. Help facilitate discussions and connections which otherwise wouldn't happen, and it's that I've been talking about this recently quite quite a bit. Now, why do why do why do delegates attend events? Um, We always used to think it's because of the content, and it is a lot to do with the content, but actually, the value, the real value of attending is the connections you make the discussions you have off the back of the content and that's really what the the value is for, for me and I get to play a part in in helping to to facilitate that now not all of our clients are working towards greater advancement of mankind some are trade associations and they're really focused on their their um, business but that's why I chose associations in in, in the most part I'm not helping um a corporate to make more money or to, to grow their profits i'm actually doing something to help help other people um and i think that's what that's what appeals to me about it um and i certainly i think it, you you raised a question about whether it was to do with money it's not it's certainly not um working with associations is not as profitable as corporate agencies um so it's not really about money. Um, It's about doing a good job in a, right in a right environment and helping people to have great outcomes.
0: Yeah, making a difference to some, to some yeah, extent. yeah Absolutely. And just a just a note on the on the on the Bristol kind of London thing is is do you feel that that hurts you in any way? Do you are you do you feel like more restricted to associations that have business in that area? Or does it really not make that much difference? And it's just a nicer place to live
1: it makes no difference whatsoever
0: okay um
1: in fact it makes it it's a it's a positive difference i think the um the we i we are cheap it's actually a cheaper business to run in bristol um not a massive amount because there's lots of people moving from london to bristol now so the cost of living in bristol is actually um going up but bristol's very accessible from london um and there's no i think also what has helped is actually weirdly the pandemic, lots of positives came out of the pandemic, Um, not least that it's now acceptable to build relationships online. I think pre-pandemic, it would have been incredibly difficult to still build the relationships we have with even new clients without tools such as Zoom. And for Microsoft Teams, because it's now socially it's, it's socially acceptable in the business world to build relationships online like this, and it's fine. If I had to, still had to be going up to London every week to see clients, I think it would be it
0: would be harder. A lot it's very harder. taxing, right? If you're if you're traveling all the time and you're always kind of on the road and always in London, really.
1: yeah, exactly. And also, you know, me General communication with clients is much more online now. You know, we don't. I, I guess pre-pandemic, it would have been. There would have been a lot more travel costs for us in going to visit clients for meetings, um, that sort of thing. Again, most meetings take place on on, on online now, um, and the although a lot of our clients are London based, then very few are working in London. They're working. Like, let's go
0: have a meeting in your office well actually nobody's at the office so uh, when when do you want to meet or where do you want to meet right is sort of the conversation yeah exactly so i find
1: i'm going to london probably once every two
0: weeks for for
1: various different things um and sometimes it will be a whole week because i've like there was a week in june where it, the whole events industry and association industry just collided and we had the meeting show we had memcom and then we had the conference news awards um plus there was the conference and events awards and then the mice book awards and everything happened within one week it was a little bit crazy but um yeah so that that's that's generally what i'm 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 doing now All right. um and it's work it's working really well
0: Good, good. You, you you mentioned recently to me, uh, and I hope you don't mind talking about this. That you were able to take two weeks off, and you didn't uh, didn't have to check in, or I don't know how much checking in you did, but you were able to take two weeks off, which I think for a small business owner is remarkable. And and I and I kind of jokingly said you should do a, a session about that, but I wonder if you could, <laughs> you know, share any advice or you know how were you able to do that? Is that your your management style your team is great a mix of the all of the above what do you think really enables you to be able to do that
1: um it is a mix of of of, of everything my my man my leadership style is very much to support to ensure the team is supported to be able to do uh, their jobs so i empower them to make decisions um to do what they need to do in order to be be successful but i i, I am there then their their number one support secondly on top of that i have chosen people in the business who are able to able to take that and run with it um and not fear making mistakes uh in in fact i say i encourage people to make mistakes not on purpose obviously but actually we we make mistakes when, when we learn our Best and our most from when we make mistakes.
0: Um well, we don't learn a, if we don't make mistakes, right? Because yeah, if it, you just keep doing yeah, exactly what you, what you do, but.
1: yeah, exactly. So I think you know, we'd um, Tom, my partner, and I had planned. We'd planned this, this two weeks away. It wasn't the first time I would taken a break away from the office. I did it uh, completely. I did it um for a week in a week on, on a canal boat in 2018, um, and I didn't take my fo- any phones with me. The whole week so as an emergency the team had um i had two team members back then they had um tom's mobile number in case he needs to contact me in, in emergency didn't hear from them um when we were away in may we didn't hear from the team at all i didn't check my emails once um i had my laptop with me just in case but it stayed in my suitcase Very nice. um, and the only way i can do that is by empowering the team to run the business uh, all the time, not just whilst I'm away. Their mm-hmm. focus is they look after the sales and marketing, they, they write proposals, they deliver the events, and I support them when I need to, um, uh, w- when they need me to. Um, and actually, they in that time, they took a brief, they did a quote, um, and they won a piece of business whilst I was away. So they're my team are incredible they're absolutely amazing um this so and they're great people to boot um so but but i think that's that's how it's 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 empowerment it's trust Mm -hmm. and i'm the only person who can i am the only person who can allow myself to go away for those two weeks so i had to i made the decision that i was going to do it and it's a people say it's a brave decision perhaps but i think. it was a sensible decision because it allowed me two weeks to just wind down and by the beginning of the second week i had i had wound down i had stopped thinking about work and i think as business owners we have to take a responsibility for our own our own mental health as well by making sure we have clear defined breaks um because if we Otherwise, we just keep going and going and going before we know we we uh, uh, burn out. And, you know, I've worked on burnout before, and it's not—it's—it's it's awful, and it takes much longer to recover from.
0: Yeah, good advice there. Thank, thank you for sharing that, and I think it's 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 super interesting. Um, so tell me a little bit about your events and, and the way you, you build them, and and I kind of wanted to frame this as going from good to great. You know, you have a, a good event, uh, one that goes fine. You know, people show up on time, things work, etc. But what makes it a, a really great event? You know, are there kind of signature things that you can really elevate the event experience for your clients?
1: Um, it's a very interesting question. Um, it's quite hard for me to answer in a way because very, very, there are few events where we run the whole event. There are very few projects where we run the whole event. So our, our, our niche is that we will help associations where they need it. So that might mean we're working with an established event team where we are supporting them with the registration or supporting them with abstract or supporting them with speaker management, for, for example. Um, but the difference between, in my opinion, the difference between good and great is when you focus on, on positive outcomes for your customers your 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 attendees um it's very easy and i've i've seen it happen before um it's very easy to see attendees as a necessary evil as part of the <laughs> part of what we do um but without them we don't have a job um so it's it, it's it's it, it's in our best interest to uh, try do what we can to uh, to uh, you can't ensure, but to maximise their opportunity to have an amazing experience. That might be something as as simple as double checking your badge print run to make sure that everyone has a badge. You know, and simple things like that can really affect someone. And understanding that when someone come when a, an attendee visits a conference for the first time they're generally quite stressed it's quite a, traveling to an event is quite a stressful experience a lot of people don't realize it but you are it's often stressful traveling um, traveling is generally stressful anyway most people have to travel to uh, um, get get to an event whether that be to the airport airport's incredibly stressful environments you're joining queue after queue after queue you're worried mm-hmm. that you've not done your you've, you've not done your pre-scanner check effectively really enough and the worst happens and the beep goes off then you have to get patted down all that sort of thing then you're queuing then you're watching is your flight going to be delayed or cancelled is uh, are you going to have to be be rerouted you get off the you flying at thirty thousand feet is it incredibly stressful on the body mm-hmm. um and it's 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 tiring, and it evaporates the moisture out, out of you. When you arrive, is your bag going to be there? Are you going to? For us now, when we're traveling to Europe from the UK, are they going to let us in? Um, <laughs> because some, you know, um, we're not part of the lovely EU um, anymore. Um, and so, by the time you get to the event, you can be incredibly stressful. Uh, stressed. So I think it's so important for us to keep attendees at the heart of what we do um and make you know have their have their satisfaction and their outcomes first and foremost in our minds and that's why whenever we start working with a client um even if we are just doing registration or, or badging it's so important for us to know what the clients want the attendees to get get out of it um, because we can we can make even small, subtle changes to how we build a registration system or how we build a registration workflow can make the difference between a frustrating um, process and one which is fluid and really helps the attendees out. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's interesting that you talk about the stress of travel. I think a lot of times if you're a, a frequent traveler or a frequent attendee of events, you kind of forget how stressful it can be and how having you know, the right information at the right time and, and clear communication is so important and kind of makes people feel confident when they show up. And that's important. If you have confident, happy attendees, you are laying the kind of the path for a successful event. Right. And, and ultimately for doing those things that you want them to do to, to kind of make a difference. In, especially in associations and things like that
1: yeah absolutely and in, in, interesting we spoke earlier about my move back to bristol one negative consequence of when we moved back to bristol is now that pretty much any flight i take it has has two legs so then i have the stress of a transfer in an airport typically amsterdam um or um or frankfurt and that's also another stressful part so i've inadvertently added to my own stress when
0: when traveling um yep. <laughs> but i am the go. same here now with living remotely in denmark it's the same so it's always always an extra leg so i know you've done some work in sort of envisioning the future of associations what they're going mm-hmm. to look like in the future and also the future of association events I wonder if you could give us a little bit of a, a preview or a little bit of a summary of of what you found and, and what is probably more more surprising out of that
1: uh, yeah okay I think um yeah the research I did was around tre- future trends that might affect association I- events but I think your first point was very very interesting because a law firm did a study um in connection to the esae uh it was um, um connected to the ESAE, S-A-E, um
0: what is ESA for
1: those who are not familiar with? ESA? sorry. European Society of Association Executives. Um, it's a kind of cousin to the ASA, American Society of Association Executives. Um, and um, it was about the future of the future of associations and actually is the voluntary method, um, is a method of engaging volunteers to run associations the correct way to go. Um because actually often a volunteer board can really hold back the progress of of, of of associations, should associations be in fact corporate bodies, because um it will allow them to adapt to commercial it would allow them to adapt commercially much quicker. And there's a whole there's a whole question over the future model of associations. And if that is the way forward, where's the the governance fascinating but sticking with the events um i looked at, so once what, what i realized was that there was a lot of study um um, in the events industry of the future of events, but we tended to ask event managers about the future of events, and it's a bit like the tail uh, wagging the dog. Actually, mm-hmm. what we probably need to do is some external looking uh, to see what influence what's happening in the rest of the world that might influence what we're doing. Um, so, for example, I looked at, at, at business travel, um, and there's and there's lots of conflicting research and all the all the elements I looked at. But uh business travel, um a lot of people now don't want to travel for business. Um, they like staying home they enjoyed uh, a lot of people enjoyed their pandemic time where they were at home with their families they didn't have to travel they didn't have to go now I, I think we're in a bit of a live bubble at the moment we've been through a virtual bubble we're now in a live bubble where people are coming back together again it will set i my predict and it's recorded now and you can come back to me in the future and say you predicted this and so it didn't it didn't work out but um i predict that it will balance somewhere in the middle, still with virtual and, uh, and uh, live attendance. But, you know, the business travel industry is predicting a continued rise back to pre-pandemic pre levels. Um, well, at least all the
0: airlines that are, are hoping for it, right? They're the ones exactly, that are kind of pushing exactly. it. Exactly.
1: But actually, if you look at what consumers want, um, they don't want to travel so much. Um, and the vast majority of business travel is to attend meetings. Uh, that's why people go. Whether that be a meeting for six people with, between two law firms discussing a merger in in New York, or whether that's a, a, a attending a, a conference, the vast majority of business travel is for, for meetings. People don't want to travel so much, and they can meet effectively online like, like, like this. Um, how does that support the future of, of, of business travel? And then when you mix in sustainability, the importance of su- sustainability, that as, 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 as well if people are going to travel for work they're going to really choose the times they go um, in order to minimize their their um, carbon footprint um, and get the best experiences po- possible um so i i think looking at the trends that i've seen people will attend um less meetings in person um they will still attend the meetings they want to attend, but some of the some of that attendance will be vir- virtually, which mm-hmm. means that actually every single meeting stakeholder event and conference stakeholder now needs to work harder to ensure that their ex- what they're delivering in terms of experience is superior to their competitors. Um, I believe a lot of associations still don't realise that their events are in a competitive a competitive marketplace. There's an association is probably a a magazine or publishing company or commercial conference company that are running a very similar event. Um, And they may be doing it a lot better. Um, They're in whether they're a charity or an association. They're they're still in a competitive marketplace. Um, I also looked at the future of tech. Go, Go on, you can ask me something.
0: I was just going to relate that back to the point about, uh, you know, being more of a commercial enterprise and, and how that, um, is quite interesting because I feel like there's a little bit of navel gazing or something like that where associations feel like they're unique or they're, you know, they're the only royal society or whatever it is. And then, yeah. you know, they see a, a publication do an event that's in the same field, and they're very dismissive of it. And they say, Oh, no, they're just this publication. Like it'll never compete with us. But I think from the attendee perspective that's not necessarily the case. You know, Nintendo goes, that's an interesting event. That's, that's an old fashioned event. Maybe I'll go to the new interesting, shiny event. And, and then the association is left a little bit wondering what's what's happening. Is this kind of what you're, you, know, you, you mentioned it being very interesting to go to more towards a commercial angle. Is that sort of the direction that you see these things going?
1: Um, I.
0: And I'm not trying I'm not, necessarily I'm not, no, 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 no. to necessarily pin all associations as arrogant or anything like that, but <laughs> I think this kind of thing might, might happen on occasion, right? I think it's very important for any association to
1: have a commercial perspective on their event. Now, the f- fundamental reason for the event taking place, conference taking place, is to bring people together, to share best practice, and to learn from each other in a, in a network. That's not going to go away, but what has to change is that the same confidence which is being run for last 20 years will not survive if it continues to be run in, in the same way for the next 10 15 20 years and that's because there will be competitors um and it's also because we our learning styles are very different now you know we one of the other fascinating pieces of information i found was that our collective um, attention spans are reducing mm-hmm. so if our collective attention spans are reducing can we have, we still sit in a room for two hours with us in a symposia and take in as much as we used to be able to we we, we can't now people will say well if that's the way we've always done it and people still sit there and listen to it yes they listen to it but actually what? how much of that is active listening versus Uh, passive listening
0: yeah and i always find if you if you stand at the back of the room at least half of the audience are on their phones unless you know unless you have some amazing speaker delivering a a very you know an outstanding presentation the 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 faces people's faces are lit up with the light from their mobile phones
1: yeah so if the value so so then if if the value of attending event is the the discussions you have around the content about the, the the people you meet and the main content itself. Well, what's that say about how we deliver the content? You know, um, should for one example of, of something I've I've seen I've not not been involved in is that the majority, majority of content was delivered online in advance of an event. Yeah. And then the end of the event is where people come together to discuss it. Um, that's that's fascinating. Um, the other thing is um something I'm working on at a, um, a, something I'm working on at the moment with um one of the events industry trade shows is the format of the discussions when you bring people together. So we're discussing um the challenges that associations have vary significantly. Actually, why don't we create a session where the association—this isn't new. you, you you're, This isn't a new idea, but create a session where, rather than come in and listen to panelists discussing their experiences, actually bring small groups of people together to choose choose the topics on the day. Have a leader mm-hmm. who can then facilitate discussion ar- around those th- th- those topics. Because when you are um, a group of 200 and you're listening to a panel of four, you're still quite. Got, Yet that panel of four have still got, quite got a narrow range of experiences. Actually, if you put yourself on a table of ten, and then you've got ten experiences of the the, the same topic, um, mm. and um, it's, it's it's things like that which can be applied. Which means you you're not sitting there listening to that one one to many single yeah. single. And-
0: I guess the ultimate model there is the is the unconference, right? Where you go for the complete crowdsourcing of, of the content. But so my feeling is that we stick to you know keynote keynote, coffee break, breakouts, formats, um, because we're afraid to take risks. and because in terms of marketing, that makes sense to us. You know, you market the keynote, you market the big opening. Is, do you feel the same way that that's why I would say the majority of of events still follow relatively traditional formats?
1: When we sit on boards, we are we become represent, re- representatives of the, the the membership. Our job is to ensure the um, the future success of the the association. Um, as such, unless we are as board members facilitated very well, there's a, a significant danger, and I've seen it on the boards which which I've sat on, that everyone becomes so risk averse and nothing ever happens, <laughs> and nothing e- ever e- nothing ever changes. Day- right? It's yeah. just a- and that's the that's the um, that's the advantage that commercial the commercial sector has on association sector is it doesn't have that break. Or it doesn't. That's not. That's not true. It doesn't have that much as as much of a break. Um, it will have a break in the. You know, the conference director will be deciding the program, will deciding how, what what's important. There will be a director above them going, "Okay, but is it still profitable?" Because that's what they're they're they're, they're focused on. Um, the. It's
0: about skin in the game, isn't it? I think when it's, yeah. it's commercially driven, you are sort of everybody's got a bit of skin in the game, and you have to make yeah. those choices and make those decisions
1: so yeah yeah we've there's when when you apply that risk aversion every it, there's a danger that everything just stops innovation mm-hmm. stops and i to your to your point about marketing i don't agree that a keynote is a draw for a conference um yeah. because most keynotes aren't that great there's a few there's a few re- really really good ones but they're often they they're they're often someone who is known to a member of the board who's got, oh, they'd be great, and or they have a good experience being a keynote. They don't think a keynote, Necessary. I don't necessarily think that a keynote makes a good keynote. That sounds <laughs> that might sound odd, but actually someone who's experienced at uh, drawing a crowd doesn't necessarily um mean they are a good speaker and that they they that they, they are are engaging. Um, again, I come back to this idea of what's important to the ad- attendees, not important to the board. And that level of insight is what is most most important, um, keeping the needs of the attendee at, 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 at heart.
0: Yeah. What about the the celebrity keynotes? And I mean, we've both seen examples. I think Confex has done this a number of times where they'll take some kind of TV personality uh, and, and kind of put them on a stage at at, a, at an industry trade show. And and it does draw a big crowd. Um, do you think that works? Is that something that you ever do or see with with the association clients that, that you work with?
1: I'm I think I'm a little, um, oh, what's the word? Let's use the word doubtful because I can't think I'm thinking of another one. Do people go to, do people go, I'm not going to name it any trade shows here. Um, <laughs> I'll beat that out, shall I? <laughs> um, do visitors go to a trade show to see a celebrity speaker or do they go to a trade show because they want to go to the trade show? Um, and I, I'm a firm believer that it's the latter rather rather than the, the former, because actually, what has Sebco got? Let's use Sebco as an example, because I know he's been um, a speaker. Um, what has he got that will benefit? What does he have that will benefit the events in, in industry to make him a draw for people to to attend? Skeptical—that's the word I was looking for. Skeptical. Um, if we really thought about it, isn't the main reason why people attend these events is to meet with suppliers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, trade shows is another whole another whole topic and another whole um, couple of hours conversation because what's yeah. the purpose of a trade show? It's to meet with new suppliers. Well, hang on a minute, the internet can do that. So what is it about a trade show or what should a trade show be in order to make people want to go you know if that that's your 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 business um and i i'm going to be very critical of the trade show industry in the uk now um and say that actually they're not uh, i think without exception no one is really pushing the boundaries of trade in the events industry no one is really out there going Okay, I get it. This is what you need. You need to meet people. You need to network. It's all mm. about. It's still all about shell scheme and stands. That's the fundamental purpose. And I think there are some very good things about the trade shows in the, in, in 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 the UK. But if it's still fund, fundamentally based on that, but the industry, the events industry has 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 moved on, but the trade show haven't. So I find that very challenging and. It's, um, I think, as I said, but um, across the world, trade shows have an opportunity to modernize and come up with a new model of working, but they have to be brave in order to, to do it.
0: Yeah. Now, I've seen some interesting examples of sort of the, the festivalization of trade shows. And, mm. you know, and I think it's it's not just about going to a trade show and it feeling like the festival, it's, it's when people start talking about going to a festival and not going to a trade show but there is businesses there I think then you've really kind of made that transition uh well well you know it's nice to have some like food trucks inside a trade show hall or something like that but that's not going to make it into a a festival right that's just going to make the food options a little bit quirkier
1: yeah I mean you know I think some some examples are you know um pitching So actually having a pitching stage and giving lots of ideas away free now, you know, actually where, where you've got new, new, new people coming, new, new suppliers coming saying, hi, I'm new. Um, This is my business. This is my, my idea. And actually publishing that in a program because people will go, but events, um, event buyers, event stakeholders, they need new, new um, original ideas in order to, either implement or sell to, to, to their clients. But again, this I think perhaps this is a problem the other way around where associations may do well at is they don't need to make money out of it. The problem with commercial companies and that sort of scenario is that they need to make money out of it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the new businesses and startups, they don't, they don't have massive amount of, of marketing
0: spend, but it's yeah. such an opportunity. Yeah, very interesting challenges. So, want to get to one last kind of area, which is technology. You mentioned mm-hmm. that you work with technology. Um, how do you see the future of sort of event technology? Uh, and I guess maybe kind of like in the short term and in, in the long term future. Um. Okay. Short short term. Uh, very interesting. There's
1: been some some a couple of Julius. Cyrus has made a couple of posts recently on current things going on in in, in event tech. Um, I do see a lot of event com- event tech companies who have kind of um, evolved a lot or grown substantially over the last couple of years now really struggling because they grew un- in a, in an unsustainable way. Um, and I think the next couple of years will, will start to prune some of the – tech which perhaps wasn't solutions focused and was a bit gimmicky um i would i would very much like to see event tech companies more focused on events um on event solutions and actually having the delegate at the heart of what they do as opposed to and the planner of the part of what they do rather than just producing a nice looking Something or or other, um, you know. Most event tech demos are based around attendee experience, um, but actually, most of them forget about the planner experience. And the plan if you can't, don't have event tech that complements, that can complement your existing workflows in your your business, your organization, um, that's a
0: real struggle. Give um, me give me a bit of an example or a few examples. What what are your bugbears? Is it that they focus too much on? like the video production side and then managing how people are on the platform is challenging, or there's not a lot of options? Is that the kind of thing you're talking about?
1: Um, there's sort of uh, well, from from, from both perspectives. um, What's again, putting attendees at the heart of what we do, what's the most important thing for attendees? Um, It's to be able to get on a platform quickly, without having to click too many buttons and get into your session. Mm -hmm. Um, There are still but I know there are still platforms, and we work with some of them where the the access, uh, the the time it takes to access the content is upwards of two minutes. Um, when you're logging in at the time of the session, and then you miss the first two minutes because you need to go through a number of checks or accessibility and and uh, etc. That that's that that's that's challenging. Um, at so many platforms, so many, so much event tech is too distracting yo know, yeah you can do this you can do that you can do this you can do that oh fantastic actually most attendees just want to get on the platform see a session ask a couple of questions and leave that is what most wants do and it's it's amazing how many barriers they have to um
0: doing that in in some some instances and is that um, the issue that then they you can't switch everything else off or it's hard to kind of sometimes it. it's really difficult to
1: to to manage those that those um the distractions um i think i would i would like to see i'm not sure we are going to see but i would like to see specialisms i would like to see companies developing software one part of their software to a very high standard um and not trying to diversify too much so uh, recently one of the the uk most well, mostly uk based uh tech providers well, i was having a conversation with the md he was saying oh yes i'm going to develop an abstract submission process next and i said well, why why do you want to do that um he said well because customers need it and I said no they, they don't they don't need another abstract submission portal there's loads of abstract submission software and I said to him, which is going to be far superior to anything you you will develop because you don't have and you don't have an um, uh, content specialist in your, your 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 team actually what we do need is really good integration. Mm-hmm. um we need uh, preferably open apis but open apis that actually work properly where we can bring the best of the best together to produce um outcomes and event event tech which will help attendees achieve what they need to to achieve um and it seems to be a really big challenge for some of these companies and i know they don't want to share that's mm-hmm. the thing they want their customers to be their customers and to 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 do everything but you can't be good at everything so be good at something be really good at, at something even if that's just one thing and build your client base based on that one thing if you don't if uh, other customers will come and say to you oh, can you also do this can you also do that can you also do this and maybe some of that stuff is easy for you which you can adapt to some of it will be off the wall and the danger is if it's a business you follow the whim of your customer you'll end up being good at nothing for anyone so Jack i think you know, trades, that, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly so i expect i would hope to see over the next couple of years um some a reduction in the number of event tech providers some innovations um but i hope some a lot of open apis that will allow us as the 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 you the, the main users to bring the best of the best together um mm-hmm. to create the events which we, we which which we need
0: yeah and what about the long term? Are, are there any kind of different views that you have for what's needed, or how events and associations are going to, ha- you know, that relationship with technology?
1: Nothing more than I've said. I think. I think you know this this idea of allowing allowing collaboration with your competitors mm-hmm. you know, that's a hard that's a very hard pill to to swallow. Yeah. Um, very very hard. But I I don't I can't see it evolving. Uh, um, any other way, and I think just continuing to provide accessible solutions to content. Um, I think the biggest challenge on con- online content actually is probably places that don't have very good internet. There are huge swathes of of Africa and South and India, Southeast Asia that still are challenged. In accessible, um, accessibility to good good tech infrastructure, um, that's both from an internet connectivity perspective and also hardware too. Um, and so, continuing to develop solutions which require less and less bandwidth um, will be important, I think.
0: Interesting. Yeah, definitely very interesting for for the more international uh, events and mm. associations. Rob. Absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you for being with us. I'm going to uh, ask you the last question, which is the one we ask at the end of our podcast to all our guests, and it may be a yeah. bit of a surprise. But uh, I'd like you to recommend someone else uh, who should be on the podcast. Another uh, podcast guest it can be absolutely anybody inside or outside the event industry, as long as you feel that it's someone who the listeners who are planners, event professionals, et cetera, would be interested in, in hearing from and maybe you know having a different view on something
1: uh wow god that's a hard one um my first thought would be sam allen but you may have spoken to sam already we
0: had sam on the show yes okay um anybody new that's come into your world that you think would be a you know a different voice or something interesting for for our listeners
1: i think what would be it would be very interesting if you haven't already to um speak to um, Matt, um, I've got his surname, the new CEO of, of events there. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Matt to, to Donegan r- Ryan.
1: Yes, that's it. Um, I met him at IMEX, uh, mm-hmm. very interesting chat with a very interesting background. And I think understanding more about the challenges that event tech faces, um, because there were quite a few questions at the end. I think that would be a, an interesting discussion. Absolutely. Um, I'd probably go with, also with, um, Someone like Martin Sirk, I met Martin recently actually, talking about, and he's now, his, his consultancy is looking at association hubs. And I think that's that's fascinating, looking at the, the where associations are based and how they, I think they'll give a very good, in, interesting insight about the future of, of associations. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Yes, yep. those are the it's, ones I would suggest. Excellent recommendations, thank you very much. A pleasure. Rob, once again, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for chatting with us today. And to everybody listening, I hope you found that interesting. Um, where can people reach you if they want to connect with you or your website or anything like that? Um the website is brighthelm.co.uk. Um the uh
1: look me up on LinkedIn, connect with me. Um I'm more than happy to connect anyone in the the the, the industry and I love I love chewing the cud, um, so um, it's a, it's a, I I I really enjoy helping people solve problems. So if you have a problem, come to me. I'm happy to discuss it with you. It doesn't always have to cost money either.
0: <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Be careful what you promise. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. it a pleasure.